This is the Bloggist Podcast, a new type of podcast here to connect brands and influencers in a way that has never existed. This is the podcast where brands and influencers can come together to synergize worthy opportunities to reach new audiences and new heights. We'll interview both influencers and brands to talk about quitting the nine to five, building up your base one connection at a time, and what brands should know about your audience in order to leverage theirs. Brands meet influencers, influencers meet brands. This is the Bloggist Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bloggist Podcast. This is the sixth episode. I can't believe we've had six episodes thus far. It's been so great being able to connect with all of the creators we've been able to talk to over the past few weeks. So this episode is going to be a little bit different, and we're going to be doing more of these episodes throughout the coming weeks, the coming seasons. We think it's really important that we talk about things that influencers ask us all the time and just general best practices that we're seeing in the industry today. So we don't totally have a name for this episode or this, this series yet. We'll figure it out. But I'm really excited to introduce my co-host of this series. Her name is Hannah, and she is a very integral part of the Bloggist team. I officially just dubbed her our Gen Z whisperer. I think she prob- she's laughing right now. I don't necessarily know if she agrees with that. But Hannah is really so knowledgeable in the world of just social strategy, best practices. And not only that, she comes from the world of traditional public relations. And we're going to have an episode at one point in time where we talk about best practices around like pitching yourself to media outlets, because I know that's a huge thing that many creators talk about is how do I get featured in on Refinery29? I'd love to know. I'd love to gain some more insight from you. So we're going to have a lot of great commentary around that in the future. But for this week's episode, we pulled some uh, most frequent questions that we get from people. So we'll talk a lot about what to do when your Instagram growth isn't great and what to do when your engagement's kind of off and a lot of other things. So here's Hannah. Okay. So, hey guys, I'm Hannah. Like Julian said, I've been working with bloggers for quite some time now, and I come from the world of traditional PR. So what I really specialize in is helping influencers figure out their personal brands so that companies will want to work with them and see the value in what they do. Another thing that I specialize in is content creation that can be monetized and optimized. And I also love working with influencers to figure out how they can garner more sponsored content on their channels and how to best optimize. And I'm so excited that we'll be able to do these series together. So yeah, I think as we said, a new series that we don't have a name for. So when you listen to this episode, Mm -hmm. maybe screenshot this and give us a name. Yeah, let us know your opinions, what you take from it, and if it really leads to anything that speaks to you. And then we can come up with a name. Mm -hmm. So TBD on the stay tuned. I'm thinking social media hot takes. Ooh, love that. Yeah, I think that's going to be really good. But anyway, silliness aside, I want to kind of dive into some questions that we get asked on a regular basis and a lot of the conversations that we have with creators. So I think one of the most frequented questions that people ask, and I know we have a lot of conversations around, is mm-hmm. how do I make my content more engaging? I think this co- idea of it, the engagement rate, people get very hung up on it. Mm-hmm. I know I have some thoughts on that, but I mean, in general, the most important thing is you do want your content that you're producing to be something that your followers actually want to engage in. So, you know, I think some people kind of ask this, how do I make my content more engaging? I'm feeling very uninspired. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think one of the most beautiful things about having a platform is that your audience is right there and they're at the ready for any questions. So using your Instagram stories mm-hmm. to pose a question in poll format. How great is that poll format? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. It absolutely gives you the opportunity to ask any question you want. So if you're between posting brand content or you want to do a roundup of something new and exciting in in your life, it gives you the opportunity to completely get your audience's opinion. It's pretty much like a user survey if you think about it. Mm -hmm. So it's a way in a dynamic way. Mm -hmm. You can say, hey, I'm interested in talking about shoes. Mm-hmm. What kind of shoes do you guys want me to do a roundup of? Yep. It's a status check in your community. Exactly. And with that, I mean, me as a follower, I feel like I'm kind of selfish. I want my favorite influencers to create content that I want to actually mm-hmm. see. Yeah. We live in a postmodern world. We want to be involved in everything we do. So giving your followers the opportunity to be involved and feel like they were part of creating that content is really going to make them want to interact with it more. Exactly. So if I see Hannah post on her stories, what kind of shoes do you want me to talk about? And then you give me three poll options. And then I see next week you share those 
shoes that everyone asks you to review, I'm going to be like, oh, wow, everyone wanted to hear about these shoes. Maybe I actually am interested in these shoes too. So not only is that a great way to build your engagement rate, but for people who might not have participated in that poll, now I see that everyone mm-hmm. engaged in that poll and wanted that pair of shoes. So now as a follower, I'm like, oh, maybe I should care about these shoes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It brings your opinion into a place where you feel like it matters. So especially in terms of if you're doing a sponsored content post and say these shoes were provided by a company like JustFab, it gives you the opportunity to pick something that will benefit both you and the brand that you're working with, which will just lead to more opportunities in the future, better sponsored content, and just a much better rapport with the brands you're working with. I'm excited about this series. I think we're going to be able to talk a lot of, a lot about a lot of really great stuff. And I, uh, pigeoning off of that, when you think about content that's poll feature, right? Mm-hmm. I get some crazy statistics that all of my followers want me to review the purple pair of shoes that I just got from JustFab. Mm-hmm. So even say there's an opportunity. Now I saw that like over 50% of my followers commented and said, I want you to review those shoes. So now that's really great collateral. Say you ever want to build a brand partnership with Just Fab, that's really, really great data points to then be able to package up and say, hey, Just Fab, if 50% of my followers are interested in your shoes, that's a massive opportunity for your team. What if we did something together? And then you can take that and you're able to monetize your content instead of just asking for something like a free pair of shoes to talk about. This is a way that you can fully build your platform and make it something that you can be paid for. And you're giving them a reason why. Mm -hmm. The brand a reason why they should care. It gives you the opportunity to really show your strengths through numbers and statistics. And that's what brands really want to see. Exactly. So this dreaded Instagram algorithm, why has it been really messing with your content lately? And the answer is the algorithm is not messing with your content. It's just changing the way that users are going to view their feeds. So, for example, right now, the current algorithm is that they're going to prioritize your family and friends on your Instagram feed instead of sponsored brand content. So what does this mean for you as a content creator? I feel like it actually puts people sort of in this intersection of branded content from companies Mm -hmm. and friends and family. So to me, as a lot of influencers that I follow, I feel like I have a very personal connection with a lot of the creators that I do follow. And so... I feel like as a follower and as a creator, if you think about your followers as friends and family and really view this place as a a channel that we can connect and really a place that you're trying to build the best level of community interaction with your followers, I think the the term algorithm to me is a bit of a hoax and it's, it's blaming a system that you don't have control over for the reason why your content isn't performing as well as it could be. And so I really looked at this as an opportunity to think about how can I create storylines? How can I create content that my community actually wants? And then encourage them to participate. And not only that, really focus on developing like consistent stories. Because for me as a follower, I'm thinking about, I follow something Navy. She's like an influencer that I constantly check in on her account. The star, the faraway star for you as a creator is being in a place where your followers feel like they need to go out of their way to come to your account because they haven't seen your content. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about it, like as a friend, I'm also thinking, oh, I haven't seen Hannah's content in a really long time. I'm going to go check it out. Mm -hmm. So you want to be in this sort of like interpersonal relationship with your followers where you're providing content in such a way where they feel so connected to you that if they don't see anything, they're going to go out of their way every Friday because they didn't see your Friday favorites roundup. They're going to go to your Instagram account and be like, what happened? So this idea of algorithm, I think, I mean, yes, it is a way that Instagram kind of serves your content to people that are engaged with your content the most. Mm -hmm. So let's find opportunities and let's find ways to make your content as engaging as it possibly can be. Really focus on that poll feature that we just talked about and find ways to engage with your audience and create like consistent storylines that me as a follower, I feel like I constantly want to come back and see what you're doing because I missed out on your Friday favorites roundup. When you have these consistent stories in your Instagram and you're creating an engaging place, putting out a community in your comment section, or even if you're going on Instagram Live, it really makes these friends and family style stories, as Julian was talking about with a brand like Something Navy, you want to go check in and people are constantly in the comments talking to each other, not even just engaging with the post itself. So by creating the sense of community, it does fall more into the friends and family style of content 
which if you're trying to beat this dreaded algorithm that we don't really even know what it think, is, even though it doesn't really exist, you're making yourself more accessible and therefore you're going to get past the hump that's created by the algorithm. I think for anyone blaming poor engagement on mm-hmm. something that you don't even know what it is, right? sort of this term that has been brought to fruition, really kind of look introspectively and think about what are the things that I'm excited about producing for my community? And then not only that, what have been the things that I've seen people genuinely be interested in? Mm-hmm. And use data to kind of guide your content decisions. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you think about it too, we were talking to someone today and she was like, well, you know, I posted at 3 p.m., And that's when Instagram told me I should post. That's when my followers the most engaged. But if you think about it, who's on Instagram at 3 p.m. on a Wednesday? I think this is another hoax that we need to bust, that there are programs that can tell you when to post on your Instagram. Exactly. Social media is social. Mm -hmm. Think about it as like a human channel. So if I'm not on Instagram at 3 p.m., say all of your followers are based in New York City. You're posting at 3 p.m. in New York City. Mm -hmm. No one's on Instagram at 3 p.m. No one's going to be there. No one's going to engage with it. And depending on when your post goes up, you might lose engagement on it just based on the time. So if you're using a if you're using an app to tell you when to post, it's not going to take into account the analytics you can find just by looking at your own platform. Yeah, there are these apps that exist that tell you when to post, but they're not always trustworthy because they're not taking into account just the typical human nature that comes with when you're checking your social media or when people are going to be online. So you can't just follow something that will tell you to post at 3 p.m., like Julian was saying, just because they think that'll be the highest time of engagement, and then you're not seeing any. So following your own instincts, are you going to be checking your Instagram at 3 in the afternoon, or are you checking it when you wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning? Or is this something that you check out before you go to bed? Just following who you know your audience is just by looking at your own engagement and following your instincts you'll be able to post at a time that engagement will be highest. I think it's always good to challenge data sometimes and think mm-hmm. about like humans. Yeah. And so if you look at it and you're like, oh, 90% of my following is a 21-year-old based in New York City, right? She's probably going out on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So why would I post at midnight on a Saturday? Right. She's not checking anything. Exactly. So if that's your audience, you need to think about when she's going to just be on her phone, when she's scrolling through and is going to be most interested in – finding your content or when she's even going to have time in her day to fully engage with it. So that might be her lunch break at one o'clock, but it's very intuitive and you can't just look at a number and decide that this is the time that's going to work best. So another question that we've been getting a lot, my growth has been so bad. What am I doing wrong? I think that we're in a place right now where there are so many accounts that go live that are, you know, there's so many, there's millions and millions and millions of Instagram accounts, millions and millions of Facebook pages, millions and millions of Pinterest accounts, which I definitely want to, we'll talk a little bit more about Pinterest and our thoughts on Pinterest as a channel right now and why it's so phenomenal. But with so many channels going live every day or people posting every single day, if you're just like posting and using hashtags, the grind is going to be very real. Absolutely. And I think in general, if you think about it, right, there's two parts of growth. You have to have great content that makes me, if I come to your Instagram account, I want to follow you. Mm-hmm. If the content isn't good, and I'm not talking about, I think grids to me are a thing of the past personally. Yeah. I think if I see a story, if I see a, like a great photo of an outfit though that I really like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to check out this, this account. And then I, you know, I go into kind of a rabbit hole and I'm like, oh my gosh, they were with this person on this day and I really loved where they were. I want to go check this place out. To me, the most important thing is so you need to have that content that like keeps people around. But on top of that, how do you find out about new accounts? It's when people talk about you. Right. So I really think in terms of time spent, the most important thing that you need to do is actually probably spend about a quarter of your time posting and creating content and then spend the other 75% of that time going in and following and engaging with other accounts because no one's going to find you by just using hashtags. Mm -hmm. Building a community within the larger influencer community itself is going to be an incredible asset to building out your following. So if you know somebody who you can say, take over a story for one day or do collaborative content with, that's going to mean you have access to their following as well. And that can only grow your own, especially if it's something that aligns with what they're doing. Or even if it's something that's completely 
different and you're giving them a brand new perspective because you might be interesting to their following. So growth best practice number one, spend a quarter of your time posting and then 75% of your time thinking about ways that you can cross-pollinate your Mm -hmm. brand with someone else's and find opportunities to comment on other people's Instagram account and engage. Mm-hmm. spend time commenting and like starting conversations with other people. Absolutely. And this kind of ties back to what we were talking about before, because when you're trying to create content and asking your followers what they want to see, they love to be a part of it. Yeah. So if you're on your post responding to their comments or just generally engaging in their conversation, you're going to have a greater community that will want to spread the word. That's huge. So in our second interview... We talked to Carolyn Morand of at Carolyn Morand, and we were talking a lot about how when she started looking at her channel as a community, so like her Instagram account as a place that people could kind of come together, she started seeing like rapid growth. And what, what she was seeing was girls were tagging their friends in her comments, and they were like, oh, this is the girl that posted about that Burstby chapstick that I just bought. You have to follow her. And so really focusing on creating dynamic conversations with your followers in your comments, they're now going to start like intuitively commenting on your content and even tagging their friends when they see something that they love. And that's a really great way to grow in a way that you're kind of capturing like-minded community members to someone who already follows you. And I think that is a great way to start thinking. Instead of looking at them as your followers, they are your community. So these are people who are like-minded and they're going to want to see the same things that you are posting and they want to engage. So if you start look, stop looking at them as your followers who are just seeing your content every day and seeing them as a community, your engagement will go shooting. I couldn't agree more. Engagement and growth, I think, mm-hmm. are tied hand, hand in hand. hand. Tied hand in hand. So what was our key takeaway? Spend time engaging in other people's accounts. Mm-hmm. Make yourself part of the greater community, social media community and then focus on your own. And I think third, too, find opportunities to do giveaways. Mm-hmm. I think that giveaways are not a thing in the past. No. I think that giveaways are a phenomenal opportunity. People, as we said before, are kind of selfish in nature. Mm-hmm. And if there's an opportunity for me to win something, yeah, I probably will enter. Absolutely. And I probably will tag two of my girlfriends in the comments. Mm-hmm. And in turn, my two girlfriends – We'll, we'll tag, see, tag their friends and they'll see this person that I tagged their tag them in on their account and they'll probably follow the person too. Mm-hmm. Because everybody likes free things and everybody likes to spread the word when there are free things. And then they come to your account, right? And they see great content. They see great stories. And now they feel really drawn and compelled to being a part of that conversation mm-hmm. in that greater community. Yeah. What's the old saying that you attract more flies with honey? I've never heard that saying oh, before. Really? No. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you're putting out something sweet, something amazing, like a great giveaway. And then you've got a bunch more followers who are just attracted to the post and they stay because your content's fantastic. That's, that's, that's the hot take of the day. Mm -hmm. I I, I love that analogy. Flies with honey. All right. So next question. I'm not making any money off of reward style and shop style. Should I still be using these channels? So what's wonderful about these affiliate links is that they show you what people are interested in. So when you're using a reward style link, let's say it's for home goods and nobody's clicking it, it's something that you intuitively look at then and say, oh, maybe my following isn't that interested in the homeware. Maybe I should be focusing on fashion or perhaps skincare. And then as you're trying out these referral links, you're seeing what your audience is most interested in. You can tailor your content. It's a great way to kind of pull data. Mm Mm-hmm. I think data should drive all content. And so if you see all of your followers are not engaging with that home goods lamp that you bought and tagged on reward style, or maybe you saw that all of your, you got like 10x the amount of clicks from that Mm -hmm. one lamp when you swiped up on your stories, that's a really great learning to then take and say, oh, wow, maybe this is content that I should like start talking about. And also, like we were saying before, that's a great data point to then say, oh, maybe I do want to do a home renovation story. And I found out that all of my followers love home goods. That's such a tremendous data point that you can then use in a pitch to send to a business. Absolutely. So you can look at what you're getting off of these clicks on your reward style link. And then as you package that up and send it to a brand, instead of just saying, can you send me this lamp that my followers seem to love or these sets of throw pillows? 
you can turn it into something that you can fully monetize. And you can say with that, like my followers care. They they want this land. There's a reason why. It's not just saying, hey, home goods, let's work together. It's mm-hmm. I saw that over 80% of my followers were interested in this lamp. Mm-hmm. And so there's something there. What we always say to people we work with is that you need to know your worth when you're talking to brands. And the best way to know your worth is to be able to have something to back it up like these data points. Exactly. And something Hannah and I were talking about before that I wanted to sort of dive into is I'm a huge proponent of finding as many ways as possible to become cash positive throughout your social media channels. Mm -hmm. And I do think something that not a lot of people think about and talk about is Pinterest. And so when you Pinterest is a channel, it's a way to drive traffic to your blog, right? And when you drive traffic to your blog, Pinterest is a channel is I I search for something, I save it, and I either click on that blog later, maybe I buy something from that pin later, right? And so why not make a little bit of money if someone saves that pin, then clicks on it two weeks later, you're going to make some percent commission on that blog post, right? So that's a tremendous way over time to continue to make a little bit of cash, cash that you're in full control of. So I think if you're producing posts in general, it's important to somehow tie affiliate links to that because over time, that's a way that you can just, you can make change from that blog post. And over time, that money will really add up. Mm -hmm. So why not, right? So our next question is, I've been really slacking at my blog lately. Should I even care about spending time and energy on it? And the answer is absolutely. So your blog is really your personal brand. It gives your community an opportunity to really see into your life, to see more personal details about yourself. And if you really love something, like let's say you're doing a post about a skincare item, a new face cream you absolutely love, it gives you an opportunity to give more detail on it. And so in terms of brand collateral, if you want to present that to a company you'd like to work with, you can really show them, this is what I can create. This is the deeper content that I can show my community. And this is something that I created myself. It's something that I own completely instead of, let's say, an Instagram platform where you see how many people who are doing very, very similar content and you're very limited to a photo or a 60-second video. And you also don't own Instagram too. Yeah. In last week's episode, we were talking to Liz Teich of The New York Stylist, and she was talking a lot about how she's seen fellow creators mm-hmm. have their accounts deleted. So what yeah. that is, say if your account got deleted, that's your entire business that just went by the wayside. Absolutely. So this blog gives you a complete backup, and it can really show more so of what your brand is instead of something that's run by community guidelines. You get to set your own community guidelines. And I also think too, Hannah and I were talking um, before we hopped on this episode. So as I said, Hannah comes from the media world. And I think you see, so like you see media publications shutting down every day and digital is the future. Blogs are in the now and they're also the future, right? Absolutely. And so if you think about it, if you're in control of this website that has a lot of power, Mm-hmm. You own that. You own that space. You don't own your Instagram account. You own the content that's on your Instagram account, but you don't own it. You don't own Facebook. You don't own your Pinterest mm-hmm. account, but you own your website. And using that as a place where your community can really come and connect with you, while blogs might be, it's a lot of work writing blog content and posting blog content, but the long term value that really committing time and energy to your blog will gain and warrant um, in your life is extremely significant because you own that place. You own that channel. Right. You don't own Instagram. Yeah. Not only is that a brand archive just for your own personal brand and what you've created, it also works as a wonderful piece of brand collateral. Like Julian said, this is something you own. So when you're looking to monetize it and present it to a company you may want to work with, they see that it's not affected by something like like Instagram's recent language guidelines. So you may not be able to say exactly what you want or truly conveys the message that your community would want to hear. But on your own blog, on your personal platform, you can truly put out those messages that you think will best connect. And writing's fun. Mm -hmm. And it's a place that I can really get to know you too. I think, you know, long form Instagram content is a lot. It's a lot for your eyes to read. And not a lot of people are going to take the time to read a piece that may take them a minute to get through. Exactly. On Instagram. But me as a as a very like driven community member, I like that I use the term community all the time, but it right. feels true. Like you're a follower. I am your community member. But as someone who's really feels connected to you, 
if you're, you know, talking about something and you then drive over to a blog post where I can learn more, I'm going to read it because I'm genuinely interested in that story. And again, that's something that you own. You own that content. You own those those images. You own everything that's happening. And also, back to our last point, it's a great way to tie in affiliate links. So when people click on those links, that's another phenomenal opportunity to make commission on every single time someone either clicks on it or they buy, depending on the affiliate platform that you're working from. So I think blogs are something that you should continue to focus on. And at the end of the day, if it kind of becomes difficult, take a little bit of a break. That's okay. And also back to that poll feature, maybe ask your followers what kind of content do they want to see in the blog? What are they interested in? Find opportunities to be inspired again. There are definitely so many blogs that are doing cutting edge things with the content they're creating, things that you really can't do on an Instagram or a Facebook. So if you want to go on your blog and use it as a diary to get your community in the know about your life, that's wonderful. But you can also create content that they may want to see like a travel guide if you went on a recent vacation. That's something you can't fit into an Instagram story. Or you could even create a full like gift guide for the holidays. Again, like you could do a swipe through feature on Instagram, but on your own blog, this is something that you fully own and these images are yours. I also think too, with that, many people talk about like, how do I start building out storylines that I've never talked about before, right? Mm -hmm. So say to your point about a travel guide, Mm -hmm. I go to France with my friend and I create a travel guide on my blog. That is phenomenal content for Mm -hmm. you to then say, oh, wow, this is something that I've created. Now let's see if we can proactively pitch a travel company. Mm -hmm. We can pitch an airline. We can pitch a hotel. And by you showing them that tangible blog post over that one Instagram post, they're going to be infinitely more interested. And we've seen it time and time again. They're going to be infinitely more interested in working with you. And they don't need to know that that wasn't a sponsored piece of content. But what we can show them is how meaningful and in-depth that blog post was Mm -hmm. and what the overall engagement was on it. Because again, back to that data point topic, you're able to show the business, these are the amount of clicks, the impressions on this blog post. That's a massive, massive channel for them to then like gain exposure on and probably want to work with you in some sort of sponsored capacity. So creating new storylines in your blog is also a really great way to kind of expand outside of your realm that you already are working in. So our next question, we get this a lot. And I actually think this is an awesome question for Hannah, our Gen Z guru. I don't know if I'm totally sold on Instagram TV. I actually had a very interesting conversation with someone who I have worked with in the past. And she was like, Instagram TV is going to completely shut down YouTube, which I do not agree with. I see there being a a need and an opportunity for Instagram TV. So I don't think I have enough opinions about Instagram TV right now. Is it nice? Sure. Is it as dynamic as Instagram stories? A hundred percent not. So I think until they find a way to really bring Instagram TV and make the user experience as dynamic and engaging as Instagram stories, do I think it's something that like you should be spending 100% of your time on? No, but I 100% know. And I I think that they actually just did announce that they're going to be bringing Instagram TV into your feed. So Instagram is going to be pushing this heavily. So finding opportunities to actually produce content. If you think about like the first Instagrammers, right? If you really spent time and energy on this, you probably have over hundreds of thousands of followers. So if you're the first influencer to really focus on IGTV, um, a girl named CM Coving, who I follow, she's been really focused on IGTV, and I know she's seen like amount a lot of success from it. So if you're at the kind of first frontier of IGTV, there's something there. So am I obsessed with it? No. Do I see an opportunity for it? Yes. And see, on a little bit different of a point, because I see so much opportunity in it, I am completely obsessed with it. So right now, you can see it on your regular Instagram app or on the separate IGTV app. And the ability to create long There's a separate IGTV app? Oh, yeah. There's a separate IGTV Whoa. Okay. We're going to link that because I I didn't even know that there was a separate Mm -hmm. IGTV app. Yes. Wow. So it actually started separately just as they were floating. But it gives you the opportunity to create long-form content on Instagram, which is something that we really haven't seen before. So when we're talking about long-form content on Instagram, whereas we're very used to one-minute videos or a post that you only want to read maybe 10 seconds of, you're giving yourself a platform to engage for much longer amounts of time, which means that you can take a video of, let's say, a makeup tutorial, do much more show-off, more products, And make sure that the brands that you want to see or that you want to see your content are seeing their products really shine. 
they're able to see more time that it's spotlighted. So on Instagram TV, you also don't have to have a set number of followers like you do with, say, the swipe up feature. So you can start creating this content right now, and there really aren't parameters around it, which is fantastic for those who really want to be, like Julian said, on the forefront of this, be the pioneer of IGTV. I think my one qualm with it, Mm -hmm. you are sold on IGTV. I think I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. I think my one qualm with it is it needs to – there needs to be more of an opportunity for me to click on links. Yes. The URL feature is horrific. Agreed. And I just think – I mean, that's another reason back to blogs. Like, blogs are such a, a clickable place. Mm-hmm. Instagram in itself is not. It's a very right. visual tool I can connect. So perhaps maybe that's not the focus of IGTV. It's really focused on long-form video and not mm-hmm. a place that I can – if you say you're a beauty blogger, right? On YouTube, you're able to link to all of your items. You're not mm-hmm. able to do that in the same way on Instagram, on IGTV. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think I'm not totally convinced right. is the user experience isn't exactly what I want to have as a as viewer of content. Right. But there's also so many people were not sold on Instagram stories or even on Instagram Live when they were first rolled out. But right now we've been seeing – amazing turnout from people posting stories, be that through swipe up links or even having the engagement, the community engagement that comes from posting a Instagram live and seeing in real time how people are reacting. So I think as they continue to build out this platform that is IGTV, they'll really be able to work out those kinks because as you said before, there are people who really view it as something that could take over YouTube. And if they work out a way to add links that are much more clickable. Because I think one of the major problems is that once you click a link, you're leaving the story. If they find a way to put these links in some form of caption form or to have them as floating links, free content idea, uh, Instagram. Exactly. Floating links. You're welcome. Uh, I think this really will take off. This is something that you can really utilize to make these long-form pieces that you're followers will really want to engage with. You know what I I see opportunity with IGTV? Vlog content. Yes. I think that's a really tremendous way to capture more like a sizzle reel of your life. Mm -hmm. And that's like a diversity of content outside of that like 30 second video on your feed. So Mm -hmm. I see that being a great opportunity to kind of like add that dynamic layer that I might not want to go subscribe to your YouTube channel to watch. Mm -hmm. But it's a place that I can kind of like get a sizzle, sizzle reel of your life in a way that I'm not able to capture in a single photo. Yeah. And there are so many people who are trying to do something similar on their Instagram stories, be that just talking in these cut up 30 second bits. But it's very on cut a story. Up. But it, because it's so cut up, I personally am prone to just clicking out. If I have to click through six slides that are just talking, I'm more likely to skip it. And I know a lot of people that I've spoken to about this also feel the same way. So when you're just watching one long form thing, like a vlog, I think that'll be completely beneficial to those who want to give that insight into their life. And I think as you're kind of exploring a new channel, like focusing on Instagram, IGTV, the most important thing I think is to define the purpose of that channel, subconsciously Mm -hmm. at least. But if you're giving me the same exact content on IGTV that you're giving me on YouTube, that you're giving me on Instagram, why would I actually like go out of my way to check out what you're doing on IGTV, right? Mm-hmm. So I think like defining what is the difference, like the variety and content that I'm I'm giving my community on IGTV, how is that different than YouTube? So I can encourage my followers to go watch because that's content that I'm not able to access anywhere else. Yeah. For example, if your YouTube channel is already your vlog, maybe you can utilize IGTV to do get ready with me's in the morning and they're going to be full length. So there's not a lot of click through. People can just watch it in one continuous stream, maybe get ready with you at the same time as the title would suggest. And it makes it a lot easier to take in for the viewer instead of having to be on their phone clicking through the whole time. Exactly. IGTV, I'm excited to see what happens mm-hmm. with IGTV in the coming months and years. I don't think it's going anywhere. The fact that it's now going to be in our feed, that's mm-hmm. massive. Do I think, I think a suggestion, what are our suggestions for Instagram? I think there needs to be, there needs to be links. There needs to be some right. sort of clickable links for anyone. Because again, like me as a viewer, I'm going to be very frustrated, but I can't even see like how I can get that item that right. someone's talking about. I wonder if once it's integrated into our feeds, if we can caption these yeah. videos. So if it is going to just be in the feed and it's going to be playing right in front of me, if then I can just link in the description, that'll be, like a YouTube video. That'll well, it'll be tremendous, mm-hmm. but in a way that you can't right now because Instagram right. captions are not you mm-hmm. can't are not clickable. Correct. Yeah, these are things that I think Instagram they're starting to catch on, especially with their acquisition from Facebook. So we're going to see a lot more 
clickable links. We're going to see a lot more integration of almost, I believe, what is like the Facebook status feature yeah. that just makes it a lot easier to write written content. The thing that I do not think will change, though, there are so many sub-communities within YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so I think in the consumer-facing world, we are very quick to say, oh, YouTube could kind of become a thing of the past because so many of us use Instagram. But I even think about like the gaming community. Oh, yeah. That is such like an integral part of YouTube. That's not going anywhere. Right. So I think it's also just interesting to kind of see like where in general the progression of IGTV takes. And it probably really will really become a place that consumer-facing world, it, it becomes a massive channel for all of us. Agreed. And I wonder if instead of taking over a channel like YouTube, which like you said, really does have its own space. There are so many niche communities. If it's going to take over something more like Twitch, yeah, which is essentially just streaming and it's going to be live. So I think they kind of occupy the same role. Yeah. So will Twitch become a thing of the past instead of YouTube? And I think these are all things we're going to see as the platform gets built out. So this is something that I think everyone needs to watch. And if you can start utilizing it now and be on the forefront of it and see where it fits into your world, I think that's a fantastic way to explore your own channel. I'm excited now mm-hmm. for IGTV. So next question. I feel like I'm at a place where I could be getting more brand partnerships, but I've gotten virtually none. What's the deal? So one big thing that I'd like to touch on just from my own background is that when you're talking to a brand, when you're pitching yourself, are you looking at how your data points are really going to sell them? Is your community a good fit? And are you presenting yourself in the best light to get these partnerships? So coming from my world of traditional PR, of receiving pitches from influencers every day who want to engage with our brands or get a deal with our brands, it's important to look at how you're presenting yourself in your initial email because that's your first impression. Would you say, so um, proactively pitching something, I think that is extremely important because you're in control of your business. You shouldn't be sitting there waiting for someone to come to you. But as someone who Hannah has a lot of experience kind of coming from the agency world, as someone who's been kind of presented with a lot of inbound requests from creators, what do you think when it comes to people inter- like inbound pitching you are some of the biggest red flags when it comes to the way that they present pitches? And what are some have been some of the, like the best pitches that have come through your inbox? So one of the first things I look for when I open a pitch is if they link their own content. You would be surprised how many people send me a pitch that doesn't have any link to their own Instagram, doesn't show any posts that they've done before with a partner. So really showing off things you've done before, even if you've never worked with the brand, show me your content because I want to look at what people are saying. I want to see your engagement. And you have the opportunity to pick your best piece to show me. Do you feel like there's opportunity? Is I, I think some people say, well, will a brand want to work with me if I reach out? Do you think that there is an opportunity? I know I have a lot of thoughts on this, but back to that whole, you are in control of your business. Do you feel like it is very, very, it's exciting when a, a talented, smart influencer reaches out to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we don't do a lot of outreach on the PR side on our own. So we really value influencers coming to us and presenting their content as a way that's new and exciting to get our brand's name out there. So if you're coming and showing me a community that maybe we haven't tapped, that's an incredible asset for us. So I think one big part of crafting your pitch to brands and being proactive in your pitching is really knowing your community. So knowing your niche and knowing what they're interested in. So as Julian was asking before, is there something that's really that really stands out to me? And it's telling me that your followers excited to see this content and want to engage with our brand because of XYZ evidence that you have in either your demographic data or the performance of an old post. So yeah, proactively pitching and knowing your community is incredibly important. And being in control. So I think back to the question that we got, I feel like I'm in a place where I could be getting more brand partnerships. I've gotten none. So take your business in your own hands. And over time, as you start telling businesses, hi, um, my community, maybe it's been two people, but those are community members. My followers have been genuinely interested in your brand. This is why I think we should work together. And this is what my audience is all about. Their business, like no one's sitting there trolling through Instagram all day long Mm -hmm. trying to find you. So the fact that you're going out of your way to say, hello, 
this is what my community is all about. This is why I should care. I know I see, and sometimes I feel disheartened because I do see some creators and they talk about like how their business has solely been built on inbound requests from brands. But I think it's a very small percentage. And I think for the rest of creators out there, there are so many tremendous opportunities that can kind of come to life. And we've built so many dynamic partnerships with brands and influencers by that influencer pitching the brand, the Mm -hmm. story. So really looking at yourself and you as like this business owner, you know your community the best. And so if you reach out to a brand and say, hi, I'm here. My community genuinely cares about your product. They're not going to say no to you. Mm -hmm. They might say, I don't have a budget right now. Right. But now if we test in this partnership and you're able to say, look at what happened by doing a free collaboration, you're going to be top of mind the next time they do a massive paid campaign. Or you can then pitch them and say, look at what happened. We did something for free. Now we need to do something on a paid capacity. And you're going to get something that's exponentially more significant and drives that much more clicks. It drives that many more like impressions for your brand than what we did before. And to that point, um, knowing your content and knowing that if you did something for free and you can prove that there was an incredible drive from that, that is something that people love to see. And being able to take it from, let's say, I got a free pair of shoes from someone, bringing it fully back to the beginning of this podcast, you get that free pair of shoes. What can you do with it? And then how can you present that for a full partnership later on? And like Julian said, even if we can't offer you that full partnership, just do two things that do happen every day, like budget restrictions. We're going to move you into a different category of people that we want to reach out to in the future. Because influencers are the way of the future when it comes to getting a brand message out. Your communities are powerful. They're more powerful than people who maybe click on a BuzzFeed article or click on a link on Refinery29 because these opinions are coming from people that they trust and care about. So I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. So I think tying into that, a question that we get a lot is brands keep sending me free things. Like, Mm -hmm. what should I do about that? And to me, I think back to the point that we said before, kind of under telling brands exactly what they'll get from doing some sort of sponsored content. You're not going to go above and beyond. If a brand sends you something, no one's going to go above and beyond and say, I'm going to go hire a photographer and do this massive, massive photo shoot for you with no sort of budget behind it. So I think really opening up that dialogue with a brand and teaching them that you're not going to go, like no one's going to go drop everything and get a photographer and shoot a massive campaign for free, right? But I do think that's a great opportunity to say, you do want to work with that company and they say, hey, I'm going to send you a free pair of glasses. That's awesome. Post on your stories and what you can then do is use that data point to then pitch them for future projects that are paid. Using data to drive sponsored content, that's massive. But I do think it's important that businesses realize that by sending you something, you're not going to go above and beyond because this is your business. You own this. This is your business. And so really teaching them and training them. And like I do think that this is a massive thing that many brands need to realize is by sending you a free product, that doesn't mean that their business they're going to sell out of an item. That doesn't mean you're going to do a massive photo shoot for them about your that specific item. So really, but using that opportunity and that like connection that you've built with the brand to post on your stories and then use that swipe, the swipe up data that you get, then tell that brand, hey, I got 75 swipe ups. Think of a world in which we did something sponsored. You would get mentions on my blog and get something on my Instagram account. So that's really, really fantastic. And I think using those data points to kind of back up your partner, your relationship moving forward, I think it is okay to take free things from brands but making sure that they fully know that they're not guaranteed anything. Mm -hmm. But then on your end, if you do want to talk about their brand, using that data to then inform sponsor pieces of content with the business. Right. These things would really work as a stepping stone in your relationship with this brand in terms of content creation. It's not going to be the be-all, end-all. You sent me a free lipstick, and now you're going to get six posts, and my followers are absolutely going to buy this lipstick. It really just shows the power of your community if you're posting it in a story and they're seeing any type of pickup from it. And then you can go use those data points, as Julian was saying, to prove to them that you are worth a full sponsorship, that you're worth a partnership. And then you can talk about putting in more time and effort on your end, because like she said, this is your full business. So you can't just take free items and expect to be cash positive. Exactly. 
And with that too, back to what we were saying about affiliate links, if it's a company that it's a like, think about negotiations. So if they're get, giving you something for free mm-hmm. and it is something that you genuinely want, like say a mattress, yeah. using an affiliate link and then also making some sort of commission when people buy it, that's like an added bonus and a great way, again, to be in full control of your business, mm-hmm. which that's what we're here for, being in full control of your business and being in full control of how you build relationships with your followers and in return businesses. Right. Because when your business is yourself, as it is when you are an influencer, you can't just give up parts of yourself to these brands. You have to be in full control because this is your own image that you're monetizing. Exactly. So for these episodes, we are going to end all of our episodes with talking about what are our favorite things in the world of social media right now? What are we loving? What are the trends that we're seeing? Who are the people that we're loving? And I think Hannah and I, we talked about what our answers would be to this, and they were both very different, which is awesome. So something that I'm loving is Patreon. Am I saying that right? Patreon? Patreon. Patreon. So Patreon, and again, correct me if I'm right or wrong, but it was recently brought to my attention what Patreon is. So it is like a tool that I can kind of create content behind the hood that people have to pay for. So if you think about it, right, you have 80,000 followers and you create a Patreon link, you talk in your stories about like what you ate for lunch. But I now want to see the recipe about how you made what you made for lunch. So what if you made a Patreon where the recipe, you put the recipe on your Patreon and now people have to spend $3 to see that whatever that recipe that you made for lunch. I'm probably going to be really interested if I'm going out of my way to even see like how I can access that recipe. I probably will spend $3 on that. So if you think about it, three times 100 people, that is a tremendous way to make $300 over your lunch. So I think that Patreon, and I see this, I mean, we'll get into our thoughts on like influencers making their own product lines, but there is such power in people being able to produce content directly for your followers to purchase. And I definitely think that this idea of creating exclusive content that I want to buy to access, that is a tremendous way to be able to monetize your content in a totally different way that you're in in control of and is so, so authentic. So I think we're going to be seeing more of Patreon. I wish I even knew how to pronounce it correctly, but I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of it. And I'm, I know for a lot of the people that we work with, I'm going to be talking a lot more about how we can implement that into your daily uh, best practices because why not find opportunities to create even more in-depth content behind the hood that your community has to exclusively buy? Mm -hmm. And Patreon's really interesting because it came from the rise of demonetization on YouTube. So there are these creators who originally would be paid by ad content, but because of YouTube's new strict guidelines, they're seeing a major decline in their ad value. So Patreon has really been this fantastic thing that not only does it give you the opportunity to create additional content to monetize, um, like Julian said, maybe a recipe just that comes from your lunch that day that your followers are super interested in finding out. But it gives you the opportunity to have a bit of a backup in terms of ad value because we're seeing Instagram community guidelines changing. We're seeing YouTube community guidelines changing. And this gives you a way to know that your followers are interested in what you're doing and be able to still make sure that you're giving them that content that they maybe might not be able to see on those platforms. Exactly. So Hannah, what are you loving? So right now, I'm actually loving a specific creator. And this ties into a point we were talking about earlier when it comes to free product and what you should be doing with it. So one of my favorite creators at the moment just made a major life change in terms of how she approaches brand partnerships. And this is Samantha Ravendahl. She is a beauty blogger on YouTube. And she recently made the big decision to no longer accept PR packages, which I think is incredible in terms of her content creation. For her, what this has done is made her her brand partnerships much more selective. She's able to pick things that she knows her her community are super interested in. And it also has given her the creative freedom to not have to worry about incorporating XYZ product that was sent to her this month. And she can create content that maybe she wouldn't have had the opportunity to fit in in her calendar just because of these things that she's being sent every single day. And not only has she turned this into something that creatively fuels her, She's also used it to spread a message of being environmentally friendly because we are seeing right now with all of these PR packages, an incredible amount of waste come through. 
someone that I follow, Grace Atwood of The Stripe, she was talking about how she did like a charity event at WeWork and mm-hmm. she brought in all of her skincare, like the PR samples of like skincare mm-hmm. PR samples she got. I was blown away. And I know yeah. that people get a lot of stuff, but I think that's really, really huge. It's like there is, you think about it, say a business and they launch a new foundation, they send you right. their entire Every product single line. Shade. One of those shades fits right. you. So I think that that's actually really, really, that's amazing. And mm-hmm. I, I do think for creators, like she's on one end of the spectrum. And right. I do see there being PR packages are probably something very exciting to get when you're at the beginning of oh, your, yeah. you know, building your online community. But I definitely think that that, that is a, a great learning lesson and kind of a, a teaching point for brands is right. I want to work with someone who I genuinely authentically would love the product. And I know mm-hmm. my followers would too. And I just don't want, I don't want your free stuff. Absolutely. And like you said, they're a fantastic stepping stone for people. So if you want to get your channel started, these PR packages are going to do wonders for you in terms of the content you can create. Exactly. But then moving forward, saying to these brands, I know my worth and I know that I'm worth a full sponsorship instead of this free package, especially when your community is as large and as engaged as someone like Samantha's. It's an incredible tool to have and a really great way to build your own personal business. I couldn't agree more. Well, I'm excited to see how these episodes all unfold. Mm-hmm. This is just the beginning. As we've said, this our first uh, season is going to have 10 episodes. So I think mm-hmm. we'll do one more of these. But if you have any questions for us, just social media questions, mm-hmm. growth questions, I'm struggling, I'm excited. What other kinds yeah. of questions do we want to answer? Definitely anything about how to create content that's unique to your own brand. We'd love to talk about Or if you'd even like to see us go through the process of how we would maybe audit somebody's brand. I think doing a a test scenario the Mm -hmm. next time we do an episode, I think that would be awesome. So something that we do with all of our clients is we go through an audit in the beginning where we kind of say, these are the things that I think you could do better. These are the things that you are doing well and should really continue. So maybe if you are interested in us auditing your channel, we'd love to do that Yeah, for free. So when you listen to this episode, screenshot share and tell us, hey, we I love if you could audit my account. Mm-hmm. And we could we might. Yeah. Just check in on the next episode that we do like this and you might hear your name. Which would be awesome. So thank you all for tuning in and we will talk next week. All right. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Since you've made it this far, don't forget to subscribe to the Blogist podcast over on iTunes so you never miss another episode. Show your support by giving us a five-star rating and taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it on Instagram stories. We always love seeing who's tuning in. And for more information about Blogist, check out bloggist.co. That's B-L-O-G-I-S-T dot co. For influencers, think of Blogist as your personal manager. We're here to crunch the data about your audience, help you identify ways to grow your online following, and discover ways to monetize your social media channels. And for brands, Blogist gives you all of the qualitative and quantitative data necessary to find the perfect digital influencers to work with who will help you build your brand and convert new customers. That's all for this week. See you next time.